Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. This is the podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. Only 19, 20 in. <laughs> <laughs> We're only 20 in. Oh, oh God. God. Yeah. Uh, okay. Whew. That means we only have 304 left to go, Abby. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Today, we're discussing season one, episode 20, Charm and Harm. <laughs> uh, lots of fun with this one. A little bit of a twist on the regular mm-hmm. script, I would say. First, a disclaimer, we are not associated in any way with the television show Criminal Minds, but we would sure mm-hmm. like to be... For most of the episodes. For most of the episodes. Not last episode. Man, if you listen to last episode, you must like us a lot. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but we're moving on. We're ready for episode 20. Uh, let's start with some fun facts. My fun fact of the day is that I just got two new beta boys, and I love them very much, and they are glow betas. I just picked them because they were the oldest. One of them was the oldest beta at PetSmart because I went and tried to get them at Petco, and they didn't have them, so I had to go to PetSmart. And he is so happy now in his big tank, and he's flaring, and he's beautiful. And the other one just looked really, really sad, so I brought him home with me too. But they are in separate tanks, and I'm obsessed with them, my beta boys. And they glow, so like, if I turn on the blue light, they glow in the dark. Ooh. Yeah. So. That's so cool. Yeah, and apparently it is not a harmful thing, because I did some research, and like, it's... The fact that they glow in the dark, it like doesn't hurt them. It's just like a genetic breeding thing that they can, it's an excuse for glow fish to charge you like much more money for a fish (laughs) while the fish is not hurt. Anyways. Yeah. I guess my fun fact, if we're like on the pets trend, is that my family's cat has decided that my bed is her favorite place to sleep, (laughs) but she still like won't let me pet her a lot of the time. (laughs) I'm feeling a little used. <laughs> Aww. Uh, should we... Should we dive in? Oh, wait. Writing, rating yeah, criteria. Yeah, give us the rating criteria. The rating That was my moment to shine in. I completely almost blew past it. Okay. So our rating criteria, uh, each category, as you know, if you've been listening to all 19 episodes before this, we rate each episode in five different criteria. Each one can get up to 20 points, and those are the criminal slash serial killer, the character development slash character arcs, the forensics and context, the script writing, and the background character. Yes, and there's an amazing background character in this. But let's get into the plot. So this this was a fun one. And Abby's going to have a lot of reading to do. <laughs> so get ready. Yep. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You have to listen to my voice. <laughs> no, girl. We love your voice. We love it. <laughs> we open on a creepy man eating steak in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> sorry for the whiplash that first sentence probably caused all of you. But this is where we are. <laughs> 
We're eating steak in Florida with a creepy man. We Mm -hmm. see a close shot of him eating the steak and he says, quote, I was really hoping you'd get your appetite back. You're going to need to eat. You're going to need your strength. And we cut to a woman who is clearly gagged and bound and tied up and terrified. And she's watching him eat. Excellent. Love it already, right? Great opening, to be quite honest. Grabs your attention real fast. Yeah. I just don't like to watch people eat. (laughs) And like just the mouth sounds like... Especially steak. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. We cut to BAU headquarters in Quantico, Virginia. Morgan thinks Elle has a boyfriend, which is actually never addressed in this episode, which I kind of love that they never address that. JJ introduces the team to four murders that have occurred over the past two months along Florida's central Gulf Coast. All the victims were tortured and then drowned in hotel bathtubs. Gideon apparently consulted with law enforcement in Florida, and they were able to match DNA evidence at the four crime scenes to an unsub named Mark Gregory. Gregory was romantically involved with the first victim and knew the last three victims as acquaintances. He is the unsub. However, Gregory ran away before he could be arrested is, and, and is still on the loose, killing people, kidnapping He's women. He's on the lamb. <laughs> Gregory has been missing for 36 hours and has actually kidnapped his latest victim, a woman named Nicole Wegner. Unlike the other four victims, Gregory did not have any previous relationship or acquaintance with Nicole. And so this is the first time, I think we got to address it, girl. This is the first time we know who the unsub is from, actually, that's not true, because what about um, riding the lightning? Oh, true. Yeah, but this is the, I feel feel like this is a different vibe. Well, because riding the lightning, they were already in jail. And Gideon was like, Sarah Jean's innocent. That was a good I episode, know. though. I love that episode. But anyway, so we, we've got a pr- the profile of the unsub. Mark Gregory. All right, so Mark Gregory is a single white man. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, he's 38 years old. He graduated from Florida State University, which is one of the top campuses for sexual assault. Fun fact. Oh. Um, at least I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, maybe that's changed. Uh, so he started his own real estate company, which is wild. And so he frequently travels for work around the country and overseas. He worked as a chef at a French restaurant. That's the steak, right? Yeah. He's got a refined palate. He was a staff photographer and then started working with models. Cool. Then this is the profile of the unsub. So use different methods of torture for each victim. Drowning was the only constant. So this could be the unsub signature. And they're classified as wet drownings. I hate that. That sounds so... Yeah. So a wet drowning is when the victims are alive when they're submerged. And it's extremely painful because you can like feel your lungs filling with water. So what the fuck is a dry drowning? I guess it could be, like, when they throw the body in after they're dead. Or, like, after they're, like, basically, like... Oh, as, like, unconscious. to, like, disguise or hide the... Yeah, to, like, yeah, to get rid of the body, but also to, like, have the water um, corrode any sort of, like, evidence. Gotcha. So, drowning is used as a, quote, 
purification ritual. Yeah, and we're going to get more on that later. So Hotch and Elle talked to Gregory's previous business partner, Hank Bloomberg, no relation to scumbag Michael Bloomberg. Also, quick diatribe, even though I've got a heart out today. I remember when he was running for the Democratic nomination, and there was a moment where we were all like, oh, God, maybe he's actually going to be relevant, but he wasn't. And there was this <laughs> reporter that was assigned to, like, his headquarters to, when all the results were coming in, and he, like, lost. And they kept cutting to this fucking reporter. And the reporter's like, well, the crowd's emptied out. And Michael's gone. And then they came back like a couple hours later. And then the reporter was like, well, the cleaning crew's here now. (laughs) It was just so fucking funny. It felt like a scene from Parks and Rec. Anyway, fuck you, Bloomberg. Um, Anyways, Mr. Bloomberg says that Gregory was his best friend. And he doesn't believe that Gregory was uh, guilty. He also says Hmm. that Gregory was a ladies' man and was previously married and then swore off marriage because the marriage ended badly. Whenever people swear off marriage, that's a red flag. Yeah. Also, I couldn't imagine it. I love being married because I get to be like, you're my husband. And he's like, leave me alone. (laughs) Libras, you know? It's what we'd be like. So Garcia and Morgan later discover that Gregory's marriage lasted only 23 days. Wow, Kim Kardashian got him beat. (laughs) Garcia is trying to find Gregory's ex-wife, but she's in hiding. Hmm. Again, a red flag. Yeah, a big fucking red flag. Reed and Gideon go to Gregory's house, which is a, quote, typical bachelor pad. That place was so pretty. It does. Ha- it was so nice. Th- this the whole like minimal furniture, white walls, wood floors, which is literally my house. Just saying. He like it's funny because it's like typical bachelor pad, but like bachelor pad in the sense of this a guy who's got his life together because he's like not just like a mattress on the floor yeah. and like oh, yeah. one spoon and one fork. A guy who's like into Scandinavian design. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, He's got expensive furniture, catalogs for police slash workmen uniforms. They also Mm. find all these fake driver's licenses with different names. Reed says, quote, this guy is a chameleon. He can adapt to any challenge. We cut back to Gregory and Nicole. We see that Gregory has just drowned Nicole. He seems very calm and composed, and he gets a knock at his hotel door for room service. He's like, come on in. And he's like chatting up the bus boy and being like, oh, my wife wasn't feeling well. She's taking a hot bath. And he's even like fake calls to her like, oh, honey, how's it going in there? And she doesn't respond because she's dead. Because she's, (laughs) yeah. And because the bus boy is like, why didn't she eat her fucking food? And he's like, oh, she wasn't feeling well. She was taking a hot bath to calm down. And he's like, oh, it must be going pretty well in there if she's not responding. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, I can't. We also learned that he emptied his bank accounts and put his dogs in the kennel. So the fact that he has dogs is actually kind of shocking. It's like three of them. Like you saw the bulls. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So the BAU is certain that he's left the Florida area and he's not coming back. 
as Gregory is now on the run, he's classified as a spree killer. And we've had a couple spree killers before, but we never got into such detail. And I thought this was super interesting. Yeah. So a spree killer goes through two phases, guided and random. So guided means that this killer will stay in his comfort zone and like regular geographic area until he breaks down. And then in the guided phase, there is usually a final destination in mind. So, like Edmund Kemper and Andrew Cunanan, they save their most meaningful kills for last. But when the random phase begins, the kills seem to be without design. There's less time between them, rapid escalation, and at that point, the unsub has lost, like, totally lost control. As he devolves, he's going to take fewer victims and become harder to track. There'll be less torture more time spent on what gives him sexual release, in this case, drowning. And most spree kills end by suicide by cop, which is basically when they're like, I'm going to do something so uh, destructive towards other people that a police officer has to kill yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Nicole Wegner's body is found in Georgia, not Florida, so Ellen Morgan go to visit the crime scene, and it was kind of nice to see them together because we haven't really seen that pairing too much, and they're kind of like opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they were like <laughs> having to drive together and everything. Apparently, Gregory is super familiar with Georgia and set up businesses there. So the BAU is still considering this to be his comfort zone and these moves as part of his guided phase. Mm-hmm. However, crossing state lines now means that this is a nationwide search. Ellen Morgan investigate Nicole's crime scene, and they discover that Gregory used a photographer ruse to abduct Nicole. We then cut to Gregory dressed as an airplane captain, trolling an airport parking garage for his next victim. <laughs> When we got to this part, I was like, oh, I didn't know I was watching Catch Me If You Can. No! <laughs> Shout out to your episode of Between Sage and Screen. Oh, yeah. If you want to hear my thoughts on Catch Me If You Can, listen to my podcast, Between Stage and Screen. Anyways, I just wanted to point out that you're always asking for more of the unsub, and I feel like you get as much of the unsub as possible in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So Garcia finally finds Gregory's ex-wife, who's still in Florida. We never get this woman's name. We actually don't get the names from most of Gregory's victims, which I'm considering his wife to be a victim, even though she got away. So that's really shitty that this writer couldn't even... Women, they don't need names. They don't need names. (laughs) This is not the Bechdel test. Um, Anyway, Hotch goes to talk to her. She tells him that she's super surprised that the BAU actually found her because she paid a lot of money to have her past erased. Big red flag there. Yeah. She is not surprised at all that Gregory is a serial killer. She confides that Gregory stalked her for a few years after their marriage was annulled. She states that during their marriage, Gregory was controlling and manipulative, and he was obsessed with the possibility that uh, she was cheating on him, which she was not. Reed and Gideon go to talk to Gregory's father, Doug Gregory, who believes that his son is innocent. 
Doug Gregory tells the BAU that Gregory's mother, Elizabeth, died in a car accident when the unsub was really young. Yeah, like a baby. Well, not a baby, no, but ten, really young. 10 years old, I think yeah. they say. There are no pictures or personal effects of Elizabeth around the house, which is a little sus. Eden Gideon asks Doug why his son seems to blame and target women. And Doug Gregory says there's no reason. He says that his son and his deceased wife were very close. We cut to Gregory, who has abducted his next victim. I put in parentheses, possibly with the pilot ruse, because we saw him dressed up like that. Yeah, and he has, like, the pilot hat, like, in the in the room. Yeah. So they're in a hotel room, and he's in the process of torturing her. It looks like he's choking her with his tie. Yeah. JJ holds a press conference to alert the rest of America about Gregory. I didn't go into that too much because this was just a fucking hard episode to write up, and it took me forever. Can't get everything, Mm -hmm. y'all. Um The BAU realizes that they have to figure out why Gregory drowns women as part of his signature to figure out why he's gone on this killing spree. So Ellen Morgan head to South Carolina where they find Gregory's latest victim. Again, this is an unnamed woman, but this is the one he abducted in the airport parking garage. She's been killed. Mm -hmm. The BAU determines that Gregory spent the least amount of time with her and did not know her at all, and that he is beginning to devolve, moving towards the random part of his spree. Garcia determines from hospital records that Gregory must have been in the car crash with his mother, Elizabeth. And we watch Gregory use a ruse to abduct victim Allison Glenham. He pretends to be physically handicapped Mm -hmm. and he wears glasses because I guess glasses make you look. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. It's literally him. Like he doesn't dye his hair. He doesn't change his hair. He just puts on a new outfit, gives himself a limp and wears glasses. And women are like, who is this? I've never seen this man before. So Reed and Gideon go to question Doug Gregory, who again is Mark Gregory's father. They find out that Gregory's mother was having an affair. And when she would go to the hotel to have her affair, she would sometimes take her young son with her. Um, (laughs) Okay. That's so uncomfortable. (laughs) He would, quote, play by the pool. (sighs) So apparently Doug Gregory never took his son to therapy. And what follows is like the most intense scene I've ever seen in my life (laughs) thus far in Criminal Minds. We're going to act it out for you. So, Abby, I don't know if you want to be Gideon or Doug Gregory. I'll do whichever one you want me to. I mean, like, how heated are you feeling right now? Not super heated. Okay, you can be Doug Gregory then. (laughs) Okay. And I'll be Gideon. Okay. You think your wife's death was an accident? I honestly don't know. Well, what do you know, Mr. Gregory? What do you think? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Well, I... Okay. I had my suspicions. Well, your son did what you thought about doing a hundred times. 
These are innocent women. Innocent women, Mr. Gregory. Ever occur to you? Your son might be trying to stand up for you in his own sick, demented way because you weren't there. You weren't there, Mr. Gregory. I... Help us before he kills again and again and again. Help us, Mr. Gregory. Help us. But Doug Gregory does not help them. (laughs) Anyways, fuck Doug Gregory. A motel employee catches Gregory in the act of drowning his latest victim, Allison. Not sure why we get her name and no one else's name. And he's trying to drown her in a pool outside in plain sight. Oh my god, it was so reckless. Gregory pretends that Allison is his wife when the motel employee shows up and he runs off to, quote, go call the police. And Allison thankfully survives. We later learn that this happened in Tennessee. So Reed and Gideon share their suspicions with the rest of the team that Gregory's first victim was actually his mother. Gregory would Mm -hmm. have been 10 at the time of her death. Yep. Yikes. Don't know how believable that is, but we're just going with it. We're going to roll with it. it. Gideon says, quote, Mark Gregory was a child, but he was old enough to understand what his mother was doing. He was protecting a weak, impotent, passive aggressive father who wanted his wife dead. He read the old man like a book and lived the life he couldn't, end quote. Oh, my God. Gideon with these fucking lines this episode. I can't. Gideon is at a 10 right now. And the rest of the team is at like a (laughs) 7. Based off the car accident reports and Elizabeth Gregory's death certificate, the BAU discovers that the car actually crashed into a lake. They determined that the crash alone would have not been enough to kill Gregory's mother. So Gideon thinks that Gregory literally held his mother's head underwater while she was trapped in the car until she drowned. That's so haunting. As a 10-year-old. As a fucking 10-year-old. Like, like, imagine if we saw that happen, like, in the episode, like a flashback. It'd be so disturbing. Oh, my God. It's, it's almost a little bit too dark. So, unfortunately, Gregory is further devolving, grabbing literally any woman that he sees on the street, regardless Mm -hmm. of what she's doing. He finds his next victim, Kelly Dalton, in a shopping mall parking lot, and he abducts her. Kelly's the fucking MVP of this show. She is. She fucking is incredible. In the car, Gregory's making her drive. She goes... Do you want money or something? Because I've got a rich husband and I know he'd pay a lot to get me back. Queen. (laughs) Fucking queen. Um, The BAU determines that Gregory is taking Kelly to the lake where he killed his mother. Mm -hmm. Gregory devolves further and starts talking to Kelly like like she's actually his mother. An absolute icon Kelly crashes the car on purpose and honks the horn really loudly for help. Which is a great thing to do if you're ever in this situation. And Elle and Morgan are at the lake looking and looking for Kelly and Gregory. And they're like not right there. So when they hear the horn, they go running over. So Mm. Kelly then gets out of the car and runs away. And Gregory is like a little bit like he's probably concussed. Um, Yeah, disoriented as hell. So he still manages to, like, blitz attack her, probably on adrenaline alone. 
And he tries to drag her into the lake, but she fights back. There's, like, a part where it's, like, she's underwater and she still somehow grabs this huge stick and, like, knocks him the fuck out with it when she's still submerged. It's like a lead pipe. She grabs a lead pipe at the bottom of the lake and hits Gregory with it when she emerges. (laughs) And she's, like... Like a badass. Like a fucking (laughs) badass. Um, And then the BAU shows up and they end up shooting Gregory. Um, Mm -hmm. Kelly is saved, but I'm pretty sure that Kelly, like, had that situation under control. I do want to say that I think, like, after getting concussed, because I don't think that Gregory was wearing a seatbelt, so he's concussed, and then he climbs out of the car, and then she whacks him in the head with a lead pipe and, like, hits him a couple times that it's unrealistic that he would still be, like, grabbing her and attacking her. So I kind of yeah. wish they had let her, like, have that moment and just, like, she had vanquished him. And instead of him, like, it, it's almost like when you fucking watch that movie. I have no idea Oh, my gosh. It's the one where he's, like, a getaway driver. I don't think I've seen oh, it. Ansel Adams? Is that what his name is? Oh, 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 Baby Driver? Yes! And John Hamm I won't still die. Have, he won't die. I, I still haven't seen that. Bro, you can push him down a flight of steps. You can shoot him. You can drop things on him. And John Hamm will not die. So that's oh what God. I felt like with this episode. And I was like, yo, after someone... After I have a concussion... And I'm crawling around on the ground and this woman's fighting me off and like hitting me with a lead pipe. I would just like give up. Like now is the time to throw in the towel. It's not working. Anyways, I enjoyed that episode. Are you ready to share your real life comparison? Yeah. Okay. So they like mentioned that like, you know, Ted Bundy is kind of similar and Andrew Cunanan and Ed Kemper until, you know, Twist, it was actually, you know, his first murder that was most important. But the real-life comparison that I'm going to focus on is Christopher Wilder, a.k.a. the Beauty Queen Killer. So Christopher Wilder was an Australian serial ooh, killer. Ooh. Wale. Who, yeah. Wale! Wale! <laughs> who uh, abducted and raped at least 12 women, killing at least eight of them during a six-week cross-country crime spree in the U.S. Oh. in 1984. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah. So, he, he is Australian, but he killed them here. So, he started in Florida on February 26, 1984, and continued through Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Nevada, and California. He attempted abductions in Washington and New York, but was killed during a struggle with the police in New Hampshire on April 13th. Um, So, he's also a suspect in the unsolved 1965 Wanda Beach murders in Sydney, Australia, where he had been living during that period. But again, that's, like, still considered unsolved. But, you know, like, they wouldn't say, like, Wanda Beach. They'd be like, Wanda Beach. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just listened to Case Files' recent episode before we recorded (laughs) this. So, anyways. So um, his ex-girlfriend had been Miss Florida, and many of the girls he attacked were also, like, aspiring models and spokesmodels. Um, He would lure most of them in with the promise of, like, photographing them. Uh, One of his victims was actually, like, on the cover of, like, Seventeen magazine. Wow. Because they were all, like, late teens, early 20s. Um, They were very young. 
So most of them would then be tortured, raped, and killed either by shooting them or stabbing them. And at least two of them were tortured by elect- like electricity with like homemade electrical cords, which is awful. They kind of alluded to that in this episode too, but I didn't like get it because they said something about him shocking one of his victims. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, so like... One of his real-life victims, he, like, blinded her with a blow dryer and super glue and then, like, applied copper wires to her feet and passed an electric current through them. Oh, my God. What a piece of shit. Yeah, this guy was horrific. So his uh, first two victims were women that he knew, one of them being his ex-girlfriend and the other one being a woman he, like, encountered. It was kind of vague. And both of them have still been not found. Neither of them have been found. Oh, my God. The, the rest were complete random strangers that he would encounter at, like, shopping malls. So he ended up letting one of his victims live and she like became an accomplice to him for a while what? and would like, yeah, and like would help lure women in and everything like that. Oh my God. There was another one that he like attempted to abduct and murder and she actually survived in the hospital after being found and everything and then was like able to help identify him and everything because she's a badass. But he was apprehended when he was trying to get to Canada and shot by the police during that, like, shootout. He left behind an estate of $7 million. What? Yeah. Um, And the court-appointed arbitrator ruled that after the tax balance, that estate would be divided among the victim, the families of the victims. So that's really nice that they were able to like God. get money. Thank God. But yeah, no, it was. It, I, I I remember I did text you before this where I'm like, if I wanted to do like a deep dive on this, this would take forever because there's so much interesting details about this. So this is a really really vague vague overview, but I do encourage everyone reading more about it because this guy was a piece of shit and the girls that he attacked deserve some recognition and remembrance well you would also think that like if he i don't know maybe i'm making assumptions and i'm a piece of shit but i'm like if he like dated a beauty queen and then also like convinced a victim to like help him that he must be like handsome or something but he looks like like shit he looks like shit he looks disgusting so i'm like was he just super charismatic or did just the accent, like, catch American women off yeah. guard? I don't know. This, like, the more I was reading about it, like, this seems like kind of the serial killer that you could see, like, American Crime Story making, like, this whole season about. Yeah, I mean, this just sounds insane. What a piece of shit. This episode also kind of reminded me of American Psycho. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> That's a that's a wild one right there. I loved American Psycho. <laughs> it's it's crazy that like this real life comparison again is so similar to like what we saw in I, the episode. These, both of these both of both 19 and 20, the real life comparison is so similar. Yeah. Wow. Oh, all right. So, um let's shall we review this 
episode? Yeah. Rate, let's rate, let's rate this episode. Okay. What do you think about the criminal slash serial killer? I liked it. I mean, I, I, that sounds so fucked up to be like, I liked it. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I, I thought he was very interesting. Yeah. And I think the way that they framed the episode of like, we already know who it is from jump. So we're able to learn even more about him and like, see him in action. was really cool. Cause like, that's kind of what I like. I like obviously like he was awful and terrifying, but like kudos to the writers for giving us so much of this character. Like that's that's always the fault that we find is that like we don't get enough of the serial killer. We don't get enough or it's like a very convoluted. Yeah, it's either we don't get enough or it's a very like convoluted like profile that we then like see the face of the criminal in the last five minutes and then just have to like buy the fact that that person did all this shit yeah i mean to come from the get-go of knowing that it's this person and just learning about his life like as fucked up and like blamey of women as this was like oh it's his mother's fault that he was so shitty yeah uh which is unfortunate, but I I do think we have to give this like really high points because we got to know this character so well. Like I feel like I know this serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like twenty is that crazy? Yeah, we give him twenty. Yeah, I'm not saying it was a perfect episode, but I I really think that like the amount of screen time we got, like you have we have to give it something. What about the character development slash character arcs? We got a little bit of Elle has a boyfriend, and I feel like that was kind of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really like that they could just kind of dropped it. We didn't see it. <laughs> and I, I can't remember if it's brought up in future episodes as well. I can't remember. It was fine. I mean, it wasn't like anything. Also, like, I find it exhausting when episodes are just character development. Like, I like a mix of it. Ten? Yeah, we can give it a ten. Forensics in context. Oh, I feel like we we got a we lot. got so much. We got so much forensics in context, and they really did like a deep dive into the why. Because a lot of times they just they spend the whole episode trying to like pinpoint who the unsub is. They don't spend a lot of time into like his psychology, which in some cases is nice because sometimes I don't care, but like sometimes mm-hmm. I do care. And you're like, okay, well I get it. I know that it's him. But like, what's the background of it? And this, you yeah, know, because it's like, yeah, it was mommy issues, but we got to understand the kind of how and why it turned into that. Yeah. So I think, again, should get a high score. 15. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we also got zero of that in episode 19. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, he does this because whatever. <laughs> oh, God. Fuck it. Oh, it was Milagros. It was her fault. She's the reason for all of this. Remember how she was the stressor? Also, remember that episode, What Fresh Hell, when the dog, Jeff, was the stressor? Oh, the candy died. (laughs) Yeah, candy died. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, uh, Script writing? I put it up there. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, we we did another, we did a reenactment from it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I really think that opening was really good, too. Mm-hmm, I agree. I don't know, like 18? Yeah. Kelly. Kelly! Background character, Kelly. 
Iconic Queen Kelly. Rich husband Kelly. I have two kids, Kelly. Just out for like a mall shopping on her own, Kelly. (laughs) Fucking icon who, while being attacked and like... (laughs) Crashing a car. Crashing a car. Gets out of the car and proceeds to attack her attacker with a lead pipe that she finds at the bottom of a lake. What a fucking queen. Uh, I I don't give it a 20. All right. 83. Hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed that so much more than episode 19. Yeah. (laughs) And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe and rate us yes please give us a rating on oh, yeah podcast. Apple podcast. I, I think you can like it or dislike it on spotify so obviously like give us a thumbs up and don't forget to follow us on instagram at unsubs podcast send us an email at unsubspodcast at gmail.com and also we have merch we have merch we have merch, merch baby merch and you can follow my solo thing, yourneapartment.tumblr.com. Yes, it's truly me. It's me. Uh, and you can follow my podcast, which is not happening anymore, but it's still up there for the world to see. If you need a break from true crime, may I recommend my podcast, Your New Apartment. And you can listen to my solo podcast, Between Stage and Screen, which is also available on all streaming platforms. And you can follow the Instagram for that, which is Between Stage and Screen Podcast. So thanks so much for listening, you guys. We are really close to finishing season one. Like, we're two episodes away, baby. I can't believe it. Let's hope it ends on a high note as opposed to bullshit like episode 19 (laughs) if i'm remembering correctly it does end on a high note but don't quote me on that